welcome to the second episode of the Rough Draft Podcast and our unlucky season 13. I'm your co-host, Caroline Junkin. And I'm your other co-host, Janaya Brown. For this episode, we're going to be talking about managing a crazy busy schedule and mindfulness. So this episode actually came to be because when we were trying to plan out when we're going to record the podcast, I sent everyone a copy of my schedule and they acted as if I was absolutely insane. It's crazy. You should see it. It's it's insane. Also today we have a guest with us today, so if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Lisa Hess. I'm an adjunct professor in the Department of Psychology. All right. So I'm going to be asking them a few questions about how to handle the busy schedule. So J- Janaya, what does your typical day look like? So honestly, I it's mostly classes and work. So I used to start around 8 a.m. or 9.30 with classes. And I'm in classes for usually the first three hours of school. And then I'm in work for usually another good three hours and then I tend to not go back to my apartment every night to about 5 or 6 p.m. So for both of you how have you found what a good way is to find like a good like work-life balance at all? So I think for the most part it's just knowing when you need to take a break because if you don't take one when you need one you're going to end up burning yourself out and I've learned that one actually the hard way so that's always a little tricky. I would completely agree with that. I think we underestimate how important it is to take breaks and I think we sometimes don't recognize that a break needs to mean walking away from the activity that we're doing and doing something different from what we were doing. Uh, I'm guilty of working on my laptop to do things and then taking a break by going on my phone. No, electronics (laughs) to electronics is not a break. Um, I think I'm taking a break. I'm taking a brain break, but it's not as complete a break as if I went outside or read an actual book or something along those lines. Yes, I find that I find that I fall into that trap as well. I actually had a class where we touched on mindfulness, so I don't know if you want to give me your take on that, Professor Head. Mindfulness... Uh, I'm not an expert, but it is being fully present where you are and not – it's actually sort of the opposite of multitasking in in a way. You're being fully fully present where you are and not letting yourself get distracted by other things that are going on or by other things that are going on inside your own mind. And the first part is a lot easier than the second part. Um, A lot of people access mindfulness through meditation and breathing, and it's – it's hard to learn how to just sort of let the thoughts go by. I don't know, Caroline, what do you think? Is that a, along no, the that's direction? No, like, exactly what I remember, and just, like, trying to be very present and paying full attention to what you're doing in the moment and not letting it slip by. Um, another question that I have is, like, how do you stay really calm with your intense schedule, Janiah? And then I, is there anything you do to help you de-stress at all? Okay, so for the most part, it's mostly the routine. So as long as I'm staying consistent, I've learned that it's a lot better. So it's keeping track of things by not doing it myself. So using different platforms, Google Calendar, Notion, Corsicles, whatever things that come up on YouTube or Google that says, hey, we can keep track of something for you. It's most likely that I've tried it at this point. It makes it where it's not all on me to remember the small things. It's also makes it where I don't have to actually keep trying to remind myself and then forgetting something and then feeling bad that I forgot it because it's written down at least somewhere in an app somewhere that it's going to give me a little notification on my phone or if I run a sticky note, sticky notes are on my door. I think that's the one interesting thing I think I do is that sticky notes end up around my apartment to the point that my roommates have asked me, is this a sticky note for me? 
like no 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 it's just where I was when I wrote the thought and it had to go where I was standing at and to de-stress I think the most thing is just having time that I'm just completely not doing anything so I do floor time where I just take all my devices and put them down I take all the rest of things I have on me and I put them down I go to my roommate's room not even my room so I'm not with any of my actual tech I'm not with any of the things that remind me that I have stuff to do I just lay face down on the floor for a good 10 to 15 minutes just to <laughs> break away from everything. That's a different way to de-stress. I've never heard of that one. Do you have any takes on that? I'm listening and, and agreeing with so much of what you're saying, Janaya. And I think basically we were kind of joking beforehand about overstimulation and the fact that you're just lying face down on the floor away from everything else. It You're basically saying, okay, too much. I need to back off and not have any of this it's just all too much. Mm-hmm. I need to be understimulated instead of overstimulated. And I, I totally agree with what you said about routine, but I think there's also trying to find the balance. I find myself trying to get into a routine and trying too hard to get into a routine, and then I get disgusted with myself because I broke the routine. And so it's making sure that the routine is working for you and not that the, you're working for the routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally sticking it. I'm listening to you talk. I'm going, yep. Yep, yep. Sticky news. <laughs> I finally, finally found a planner that I love. My family laughs. I ask for it every Christmas and every birthday because the inside of the planner is set up in a way that works for me. And if I get too many sticky notes or little notes around the house to myself, I start to get stressed out because mm-hmm. it feels like I have a million things to do. I mean, they could all be things that take 30 seconds. So I actually have to make sure I make time from time to time to gather all the sticky notes or all of the little pieces of paper and put them into my planner where there's a lovely little list space so I don't have to assign it to a time. I can just say, and then that feeling of, of crumpling them up and mm-hmm. throwing them away is so wonderful. Right, it's the organization. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I'm still trying to find a planner to this day. I think I've, I've tried, like, the Happy Planners. I've tried just, like, a random Walmart one. Mm. I even bought, like, the expensive Korean ones. And I'm like... It's just the concept of having to remember to carry it around with me to actually have something to write it down in. I was at one time to do what my roommate does. She has a notebook that's not an actual planner. She just writes her list in it, and she'll just keep different bookmarks in it. And she's like, yes, this is a collective thought book. So she just takes it everywhere with her. She stays in her purse. She stays in her book bag. She makes it where she has, like, one place where it's not sticky notes everywhere. It's not stuck to a certain hour or a certain date. It's just that those are things she knows she has to get done. And she just puts, like, where the deadline for that thing is inside the notebook. I use, like, a planner, and I kind of color code it for each class. So I'll go through and be like, orange is this class, and then I can write down my exams or an upcoming paper and all of that, and I can just flip through it and see what I have today. Yeah, I think it's really important finding the one that works for you, whether, even if it is just a plain old notebook. And I'm always so impressed by my students who do color-coded notes in class. I love like bullet journaling and all those color-coded kinds of things, but I don't know that I could do it while I'm listening to something and actually get all the, I would get mad at myself because I picked the wrong color for the thing that exactly. I was doing. A little, bit of, little bit of perfectionism <laughs> there. I, I tried to get out of, because I'm a stationary fanatic. So I tried like the whole doing different classes for different colors. I bought Muju pens, midline highlighters, and then I realized how much money I was spending on stationery that I should just could buy myself an iPad. You know when it's sad that you're spending that much money on stationery? That Guilty. buying an iPad was cheaper than still funding oh the stationery addiction. <laughs> I'm guilty. I'm so guilty of that. I had this. I took this picture and sent it to my daughter as I was sitting in our sunroom working on my little notebooks. And she does um, 
um, the diamond painting. And I said to her, I said, you do diamond painting, I do pens. I had like all of these <laughs> pens all over. <laughs> so my next question that I have for the both of you is, how do you feel about time management? And would you say that you have mastered it? Oh, I actually, I think it's like a weird oxymoron. I think I absolutely suck at time management. Because I honestly mean if it's not on my calendar, I don't realize it exists. So I was like, then, did you ever like write that in or pencil it in your calendar? I'm like, no. I actually like I pre-planned my week a week ago and you gave me something new and I couldn't figure it out. So I just kind of forgot that it existed. I'm sorry. But I feel like if I start off with a time management schedule, I can like somewhat adjust it. But I'm still very much like going to academic coaching on campus and trying to see how they can help me while I'm looking at different things to do. I think it goes back to that balance of what's the right amount of routine and what's like the routine, routine versus flexibility. And I think that plays a key role in time management as well. Um, when you asked the question, I thought, well, I'm in favor of time management. I'm not sure I'm good at time management, but I'm in favor of time management. But it's that, that flexibility. How do you schedule things enough that you can get everything done, especially if Janiah, like you, you've got a really crazy busy schedule, but also leave room for the things that you can't anticipate. And it always seems to work out that the days that you leave room for the things that you can't anticipate are not the days that those things happen, and the days you have fully packed are the days that those things come in. And it's, it's a lot of it's just how you recover from that, I think, because I don't think we're ever gonna be able to tame time and we keep thinking that we can. We think it's a doable task, and I'm not sure that it is. You think you're in control, and you're like, I got this, and time is like, no, no, no. I know. Sometimes I wish that I was in the Avengers so I could have the time stone, so I can actually, like, truly master time, because then I could stop it. So then maybe there would be enough hours in the day. I wish. Have you always had a crazy schedule like this? Um, I think so, actually. I started off in high school and middle school with, Going to youth group for church, Girl Scouts, bowling, family activities. Like, there's something always there. Um, I'm the only child in a single-parent household, so mom's like, well, we'll just keep you active. And I'm like, perfect. She's like, you, she's like, I want to make sure you can do anything that you want to. So I've done swimming lessons. I think I've tried almost make all the mainstream things you put a kid in, taekwondo, swimming, cheerleading, anything like you like, oh, dance. Mm-hmm. I think I checked off all the boxes of a stereotypical kid as a kid. That means I was never actually sitting. Like, if I was sitting, it would be even worse. I'd have a book in my hand. And then my family's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just, I'm just trying to catch up on this reading because, you know, I have about an hour until I have to leave for something. So I got to gotta get it in now. So it was always a – usually, like, it was a still pre-scheduled thing every other day at least. I think that ties back into mindfulness that I think there's – that just sitting still is an acquired taste. I think we're. I think it's hard for us to do that. And I know I will be physically sitting still, but my mind is still running. And I think that's where some of the mindfulness techniques, like really simple things, like just breathing. Um, in preparation for today, I was looking at some things, and I'm, uh, there's a book I'm reading called The Little Book of Mindfulness, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's like a little quote or a little comment for every day, and I'm savoring it. I'm doing it like a page or two at a time. But it talked about the benefit of just before you start any task, just sitting and taking like three deep breaths and quieting yourself before you begin. Because I think we've maybe lost the ability, I don't mean this to be critical, I th- but I think our world is so busy and our schedules are so busy 
I think we've lost the ability to be still. And I think when we're sitting physically still, but our minds are still running, it's exhausting. And the need for sleep increases, but the mm-hmm. amount of time available for it does not. I agree. Like, even if I'm trying to relax, like, with a book or watch a show, like, my mind is elsewhere. It is not on that activity alone. I think that's the one thing that my, my grandfather definitely tried to teach me as a kid. My grandfather's been retired since I was, like, six. So, growing up, it was mostly, like, he, he picked me up from school, so I was mostly with him. And he's like, oh, yeah. So, for, like, for the next bit, we're going to just sit here, TV off, and we're going to play checkers. So, your mind's still working with something that you can individualize, concentrate on. So, your full attention is just on that one thing. So, I feel like mm-hmm. that's the one aspect of mindfulness I had as a kid. Being able to either just sit there, like, we'll do a time, like, we'll either play checkers, or you'll have me just sit there and read for a little bit. But he's like, okay, you've been inside watching TV for, like, two hours. I'm kicking you out. You're going outside. You have to get fresh air. You have to, like, get away from devices. You need time to just be a kid and be in the moment. I feel like that's, like, a lesson that you don't get currently in society as much sometimes because it's a lot more goal-oriented. It's more business-oriented. So sometimes I feel like we do really do miss out on those key taking a back, taking a breath, stopping, smelling the roses, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. And my final question for you guys is, for you, Janiya, like, how do you meet uh, due dates and not miss assignments? So for the main thing, it's just being able to actually still keep everything written down. So it's making sure that there's an actual proof of an assignment that I have. So it's having my assignments on Canvas, making sure the notifications are on, it's actually used Notion, so actually every semester, starting two semesters ago, I look at all my syllabus and I make a full compacted list of all assignments for the semester that has check boxes. The little dopamine highs you get when you check off a oh box. Oh my gosh, it's insane. Absolutely great, and but also it has all of the assignments, what classes for the date, with a check box. Now, it's not even like I had to sit down and make the time to make the actual grid myself. There are so many online free templates you can use that makes it significantly easier that I just really had to sit down with all my syllabus and just insert them into it so it's made it a little bit easier to actually like take a break and just look at that for a second so I make to make sure I'm actually organized completely before I have to try to dive into the deep semester mm-hmm. yeah I think it's like the to-do list like on the weekends I have a full to-do list and crossing it off every time yeah I think that's amazing what, I think that's what I'm doing this week honestly because I think I have I do a critique on a scientific article I have my president's campaign. I have, <laughs> uh, what else do I have this weekend? I think I have a, sci- I have a scientific report to do this on Tuesday as well. So it's all the different Keeping things. Keeping busy. Yeah, and it's on top of still having, like, that's the whole, like, having a work-life balance. I'm trying to figure out how to balance that and a sleepover with my sorority. So I'm trying to, <laughs> I haven't planned that one out yet. So I have to get You'll back. Figure it out. I have to get back on that one. You'll get there. Um, Professor Esme, for you, I don't know if you have any specific ways that you like to meet, like, dates for, like, maybe grading stuff, or if you have advice for how students can make sure they're meeting due dates and keeping organized. I think it's finding a balance, and sometimes it's elusive, between what we have to do now and what we have to do down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, uh, especially from a student perspective, I remember struggling with that in college with long-term assignments. How do I break a long-term assignment down into small enough pieces that I can actually tackle it? And wait, I don't have time to do that now because I have this other thing that's due before that thing is due. I was wondering, too, as I was hearing you talk, if the if the Canvas to-do list is your friend or your enemy. Um, <laughs> I think it's a friend, honestly, because if not, I don't realize the assignment exists. And I only say for like, key aspects, 
as like my women's health class I have currently, my professor doesn't put due dates on our assignments. So I don't realize that we have assignments to do. And it's only that now since I actually went to the syllabus and wrote it down on Notion that I actually have that, that assignment exists. Because if it's there, I'm like, uh, I probably should do that. But it doesn't also give you the proper time frame for an assignment because it only shows it to you like the week before it's due instead of like showing it to you based on like the difficulty of the assignment. So I wish there's like a way to adjust that. Mm-hmm. But it definitely is like if it's not on that list sometimes, I honestly don't realize I have an assignment to do. I've heard That's students okay. say that. Yeah, I would say I think it's kind of like a frenemy. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. It's the good and the bad. Like, I can go on the app. I can see how many assignments I have. But if there isn't a due date up for it, no. I'm not going to know, and I'm not going to remember that. So, but Also, you get the stress cool. of also if you have, like, a lot due in mm-hmm. one week because the list will go on forever, and you're just scrolling, scrolling. through it because it never ends. Right. And it can be small little assignments, but seeing a long list it can be overwhelming. Yeah, you get to the end of the list, and there's that little thing that says, plus four more. (laughs) Oh, I think that's a bad, like, no. Also, wait, Professor, I have a question for you. Sure. As a professor, and especially since you've gone through your academic career, looking back, if there's something that you could change based on how you manage time, what would you have changed? Oh, my. Um, I remember, actually, one of the things I did change, I remember freshman year thinking all I needed was a schedule, and I would have it all figured out, so I had Mm -hmm. it all laid out, and I had this nice, neat schedule of what I was going to do when. I don't think I lasted more than a week. Um, I'm just trying to think. And I was pretty good about not doing um, overnight, like doing uh, all-nighters for papers just because I did one of them and it was so incredibly terrible. I would never want to repeat that again. Um, I don't know if this pertains to actual my actual experience then as much as looking back now. I recognize what we were talking about before about finding that balance between routine and flexibility and not beating ourselves up when we need a break and recognizing that sometimes I do just need to sit here and (laughs) I need to do my floor time. I need to just like shut the world off and also recognizing, I'm sorry, I've deviated from the question. Um, Also recognizing that when we're doing that, we really are recharging a lot of the time because I'll do that and then I will waste that beautiful time beating myself up because I've got 14 other things I should be doing running through my head. When I finally have learned within, I'd say the last five years, I'm a slow learner, that if I actually give myself the day or give myself a half an hour or give myself the time to do it, the next day I'm raring and ready to go because I've charged up. There's an assignment I gave in my um, positive psychology class called the Schultz Hour, and it was named after uh, a politician whose first name escapes me. But he would go into his office for an hour each day, and this was pre-cell phone, and he would tell his administrative assistant, pause for a moment, enjoy the beauty of having an administrative assistant, that he was not to be disturbed unless it was the president or his wife that was calling him. And he literally worked for the president, so he could say that. And that was the, the time of day that he got his deep thinking and planning done the kinds of stuff we're talking about that we never have time for he had to build it into his schedule jenna i think i dodged your question i think it's probably about (laughs) prioritizing stuff as well like if you don't put it on a calendar say i'm going to do it now it's not going to happen and that's how you're going to tell that it's not something that you really not have time for but you're not as invested in i don't think you dodged the question honestly because you had to talk about how you felt like you've learned from the experiences that you had. That's the main thing we're trying to figure out here now, especially since most of us are 
just either starting college or have been in college for a few years and also still trying to figure out life, like the whole switch from being in high school to being in college to living at home to living on campus, it's a definitely a higher level of freedom that you just sometimes don't know what to do with yourself, especially like I, once again, single parent, single child in one house. My mom was always constantly usually around. So it's like, I'm like, if I, like, oh, I'm going to procrastinate this, hurry. I shouldn't do that. I'm like, well, thanks. And also, like, I'm at school. There's not someone to still be there and remind me of mm-hmm. that. But also then it's still, like, not fully comprehending sometimes that things take time. And sometimes you just need to give those things those focus times. Because I like to pretend that I'm a master multitasker. I'll have, like, seven billion tabs open. I'll be working on five different assignments at once. My friend's like, oh, cool, what did you finish today? Me, yeah, I was supposed to finish those things. I started them. All of them got started. There's words on the page, but none of it will be done. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I got like a paragraph into one and like a page into the other. Oh, cool. What's the requirements for all? I'm like, oh, they're all three pages. It's like, oh, so like if you would have just spent all your time on one of them, you may have been done one. I'm like, yeah, probably. But I got so much work done, you know, I multitask. <laughs> but it's not the proper way it to multitask. It depends on the perspective and how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a benefit to mood-driven, but there's a drawback to mood-driven. The benefit to mood-driven is you're actually, you're, you're ready to do it, and it can put you in, the, the extension, an extension of mindfulness is something called flow, and this state of just sort of effortlessly time melting away because you're so engrossed in what you're doing, um, which is different in, uh, different in some ways from mindfulness, but it's a wonderful feeling, and it's one that we tend to capture by accident. But that mood-driven thing kind of can, be more likely to put us in flow. There's also a concept of time poverty, and that can be both because you feel like you have not enough time to get everything done, or there is so much time that you don't know how to manage it. We're actually talking about that in my FYS right now, a book by um, Kathy Holmes called Happier Hour. I don't want to take credit for someone else's idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense, honestly, because it's just like, I suffer from time pro- poverty, and I realize that. With your schedule, I'm not surprised. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it honed in to the fact that I think my advisor one time had to sit me down last year because I was trying to do everything on campus, but then also then not taking care of myself whatsoever. So I was like, oh, I'm active. I'm doing all these things. Like, the flow was there. I'm like, I'm getting this done. I'm getting this done. And my friend said, what have you done for yourself recently? And I was like, I ate two meals today and like that's necessities that's not taking care of yourself that's being a human being i'm like well that's an upgrade but it's like not actually being in like a happy hour i'm just actually focusing on myself and actually like really developing and caring for who i am as a person so i think that's one of the main goals i have for this year so i took a lot of things off my plate which was nice so like while my schedule is still busy i'm a 17 credit a 17 credit student i'm no longer an ra I'm no longer on campus activity board. I'm no longer on student senate. So it's nice to be able to have my evenings. Like before, mm-hmm. now I'm in school, like on campus from 8 to 5. Before, I used to be 8 to 9. Like my roommates mm-hmm. didn't expect to see me for 12 hours. And now it's like nice to have that time back. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like being mindful not just to what I'm doing, but also being mindful to myself and how I'm feeling, which I feel like has been like a real benefit this year. We talked about making lists. And I think one of the benefits of the lists is it's a beginning point. 
because you have to determine to get things done you have to actually take it off the list and make it Caroline you mentioned priorities mm -hmm. a priority enough that gets put into the schedule so the list can be the starting point and then you take things from the list and you put them into the schedule but I think we also need to know when it's time to take something off the list um, I know I've transferred lists from one week to the next and I keep copying the same thing over again and at, one at some point I need to look at it and say am I really going to do this how many times can I recopy this thing onto a list and still believe it's going to happen so kind of the list has to get shifted into the priorities which are the things that get put on our do this now list and also knowing when to drop things off the list as you learn Janiah that you've got to get you can't keep everything on the list forever say that's one of the main things honestly that's all the questions that I have. Thank you to both of you. All right, so I just want to introduce our episode for our special episodes coming up, actually. So for Fall Fest next weekend, if you come to the Fall Fest event, that's this on it's Saturday. September 30th. Yep. Yeah. You can meet our ghost of a production manager. They'll be there. You have to be there square and be square. And you can ask her a couple questions about how you're enjoying Fall Fest, as well as we'd love to get to just get to know you a little bit. And then afterwards, we'll have our episode that we're going to film outside, and we're going to try to figure out how you plan to survive Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to submit to the York Review, either the website or the print edition, on yorkreview.org or from one of the QR codes on the flyers that are around campus. I also want to thank WVYC again for letting us record in their lovely production studio. And a special thanks to Professor Hess for joining us on this episode. Thank you. I had fun. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Hi, my name is Ashlyn Bellman. I am going to be reading an excerpt for an article I wrote about how to grow pumpkins and the positive effects it can have on your health. I published this in the York Review on their website, and I'll be reading the third paragraph. Oh, it's the second paragraph. Shit. Oh, well. Um, in addition to eating pumpkins, growing pumpkins and other plants have a positive impact on health. Gardening is good for both mental and physical health because it increases physical activity, exposure to the sun, and healthy eating. An article written by a horticulture expert further explains the benefits of gardening by saying, Sunlight lowers blood pressure as well as increasing vitamin D levels in the summer. The fruit and vegetables that are produced also have a positive impact on the diet of the gardener. Working in the garden restores dexterity and strength, and the aerobic exercise that is involved can easily use the same number of calories that might be expended in the gym. Planting a garden can be very beneficial to one's health as it promotes physical exercise, time spent in nature, and healthy eating habits.